All right. Well, good morning again. We're going to begin a new series on Christian disciplines. We're going to talk first about prayer. And probably prayer is something that if we're honest, that we say, yeah, I pray, but I could do it more. I should do it more. I should pray more. We sang this morning that famous hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Listen, just listen again to the words. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So far, so good. Have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? What's the answer? That's a rhetorical question, right? The answer is yes, of course. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Again, rhetorical. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Again, rhetorical. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee there. Thou wilt find a solace there. We sing that and we say yes, but is that an actual practice for us in everyday life? Do I really take it to the Lord in prayer? Do I really? And how often, if we're going to be honest, is that when things are bad, when life's squirrely, When I'm in trouble, man, I know how to pray then. I bring it to the Lord in prayer. I think we forget the origin of prayer, of what prayer is based in and why we can even come to the Lord in prayer. That's what we want to focus on today. The title is, What is Prayer? What is prayer. Our text is found in uh, the one who taught us about prayer, the one who knows more about prayer than anybody else. It's Jesus, and we call it the Apostles' Prayer, the Lord's, it's the, the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the Apostles' Prayer. Uh, um, the Lord's Prayer is really found in John chapter 17. But Jesus tells the disciples about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Stand with me as we would pray and we would read from God's word. Now, Father, we're coming to you in prayer now, asking you, Lord God, to hear us. We ask, Lord God, that you would, as the disciples asked, teach us to pray. Help us, Lord God, to be faithful and constant, persistent, in beseeching you, in coming to you. For, Lord, you have told us that when we come to you, you hear us. That when we ask of you, you give us the desires of our heart. Your word tells us that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so we come to you, asking for what we need the most right now, that we would hear from our Heavenly Father, The Holy Spirit would instruct us and teach us in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. This is what God says, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 to 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. When talking about prayer, the first question we should ask, I guess, or the natural question is, what is prayer? What is prayer? What does it mean to pray? What is prayer? Jesus says in, the, in, in, in teaching his disciples, he says, when you pray, when you pray, it's the word prosukomai. It means to speak to or to make requests of God. So I guess we could say as a definition that prayer is personal communication with God. Personal, seem like a fair definition? I think that's part of the definition. Let's look at what some greats throughout history have said about prayer. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers in Victorian England, says this. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is, a, it is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. I like that. The great Puritan Andrew Murray says this. Prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. God's voice is, most, is, the most, it is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. I like that too. How about Martin Luther? Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of His willingness. I think that's far more accurate. It's not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of His willingness. Prayer has many definitions for us, but it does boil down to me talking to God. That I am talking to God. And God is talking to me. That Andrew Murray is correct. We have to hear God's voice. We have to let God. How much of our prayer time is literally sitting still and asking God to speak to us? Now that can become dangerous because then you can start hearing all kinds of weird things, right? You you want to be careful there. uh, You're not going to hear God's audible voice. If you do, you can be sure it's not God. He does not speak audibly today. How is he going to speak to us? How should we pray? We should have our Bible open. We should have our Bible open and listening to what God says. 
Prayer is grounded in God's grace. And I think this is the point I'm really going to emphasize today. Prayer is grounded in God's grace. Eric um, Alexander, great name, by the way, even spelled correctly, in his book about prayer, Prayer, a Biblical Perspective, writes this. The wrath of a holy God against our sin cannot be dispelled so easily. In fact, the Bible tells us that our only hope is that God may do something from His side to effect a reconciliation. It is for this reason that we shall never think rightly about prayer until we think rightly about the cross and the amazing depths to which the grace and mercy of God stoop to achieve our reconciliation to Him. The great mystery to which this points is focused in the cry of Jesus from the outer darkness of sin-bearing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he travails on the cross to bring us access to the Father, Jesus was himself denied that access and experienced the reality of that dereliction, which is really the inaccessibility of God. But by what he is doing in this astonishing display of God's grace, his undeserved love to sinners is enabling them to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Jesus on the cross, bearing our sins, being denied access to the Father. Right? What happened at the cross? Remember what happened? The sky turned black. The Father turned his face away, we sing. Right? Jesus himself was denied access to the Father so that you and I could have access to the Father. That's an amazing thing. We need to contemplate that and ask God to let that reality set into us that I only have access to the Father because of Jesus Christ and what He was done, what He has done for me. And we know that and we say, yes, I claim that. But do we ever think about what it took to get access? Jesus was denied access so that we could have access. The Bible tells us that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Ephesians 2.18 writes this, For through Him, that is Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 3.18. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. He might bring us to God. Prayer is grounded in God's grace by what God has done for us in Jesus Christ on the cross. And consequently, only those who understand what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us have access to the Father. All kinds of people can pray. But if you are not in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, your prayers are not heard other than the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith to have right access with God. Now, may God at times answer somebody's prayer. May somebody in desperation say, oh, God, help me. Yeah, he, can, he does, maybe occasionally. But the Bible tells us over and over again that our sins have separated us from God. 
that our sins keep us, keep God from hearing us. That we can't have access. If we're going to say, I have faith and I believe in God, but I'm living a lifestyle that's opposite, why is God obligated to listen to me or to you? He's not. He's not going to. That's why prayer is also an evidence of grace. Prayer is an evidence of grace. If I understand that prayer is grounded in God's grace, and I know that it's an evidence of grace in my life, that I experience this, that I live this out, because I understand the reality of Christ Jesus, then I enter into that grace of God. Hebrews tells us this. Therefore, brothers, in Hebrews 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, again, because Jesus was denied access, we have access by the new and living way that he opened us through the that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So because I have access, because of what Jesus has done, is grounded in God's grace, and now prayer is an evidence that I understand that grace, that I walk in that grace because I'm a person who prays. I'm a person who knows that I can, because of the work of Jesus Christ, come into God's presence without fear, without worry, with my heart cleansed, with my evil conscience cleansed before God. Prayer is not only grounded in grace, it's not only an evidence of grace, but prayer is also a means of grace, a means of grace. Certainly, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing is by the word of God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, which is a prayer, we shall be saved. So it's a means of grace in terms of salvation coming to me because of the work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. But it's also a means of grace in terms that I ask for grace, that I ask for God's help. Prayer is a means of spiritual growth and spiritual steadfastness. Of spiritual growth and of spiritual steadfastness. Throughout Scripture, we're warned that we need to grow. Jesus says that if you're growing, I'm going to prune you. If you're not growing, I'm going to cut your branches off and I'm going to throw you into the fire. Right? Jesus says that over and over again. The idea is that we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told over and over again in Scripture that I am and you are, as God's children, that we are to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then after we've done everything we can do to stand, that we are to what? Stand firm, therefore, with the armor of God on. We are to be steadfast. Jesus says, by your steadfastness, you will save your lives. So prayer is a means of spiritual growth and of spiritual steadfastness. Jesus made this clear to the disciples in the garden. Remember when Jesus took the disciples on the night he was crucified? 
The night he was betrayed, actually. Sorry about that. And um, he brings them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he tells them, hey, you guys hang up over here, Peter, James, and John. You come over here a little bit with me, and then I'm going to go a little bit further away, and then I want you guys to stay awake. I want you guys to pray with me. And Jesus goes off, and he prays in agony, and he comes back, and he sees them sleeping. He says, couldn't you just watch with me for just a few, one hour? Couldn't you just stay awake and pray with me? Imagine Jesus in the most desperate hour of his life, one of the most desperate, is counting on somebody to be there to pray for him, and he finds them, you know, cutting logs. Um, Jesus says to the disciples this, Matthew 26, 40, says, Watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what's Jesus telling them? Pray. Because it's a, it's a means of spiritual growth and of spiritual steadfastness. If you are devoid of prayer, I guarantee two things in your life. You are not growing spiritually and you are not steadfast in obedience. Guaranteed, those two things are in your life. Guaranteed. Prayer is a means of spiritual growth and steadfastness for me, the believer. But prayer as a means of grace is also a means of spiritual growth and steadfastness for others. For others. We're to pray for one another. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He says, pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know how deep and wide and great the love of God is for you and all that. Well, that's Romans and mixing them up. But that they would know the inheritance that they have in the saints. He prayed constantly for their spiritual growth, that they would grow, that they would understand, and that they would be steadfast. But Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, demonstrates this idea of praying for someone else so that they would grow and they would be steadfast. Look at what it says in John chapter 17. Let's take a little, a little stop here in, the, in the, the true Lord's Prayer, found in John chapter 17, where Jesus says this in verse 11. These are the things that Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for me. He says, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. You see the steadfastness there? Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Look at verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know, Jesus prayed that you would have His very joy in you. Are you joyful? Does that mean you got to walk around like, hey, everything's wonderful, everything's great? No. What's it mean to have joy? It means to know that, as Paul said, that I have learned in every circumstance to be content, that I can rest securely no matter what is going on, because I know that the one who is denied access to grant me access, is watching over me. 
Wednesday night in uh, our Bible study, we talked about the Lord, our shepherd. And we saw how, uh, and it was, was true when I was in Israel, and we watched the video, it's really kids who shepherd the sheep. They're out there. But yet the chief shepherd, the father, is up on a hillside watching over. He's watching over you. And we can be sure of this. Um, he is always able to help. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And therefore, I can rest that, you know what? No matter what has happened, I can have joy. I can have a peace. My joy can be simply this, that I know that the will of my Father is being played out. I can have joy because I know that the promise of God is this, is that He is going to bring me to Himself. That no good thing will He withhold from me. That He loves me and He cares for me. And He's only going to give me the best. That it's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Think about that. Shouldn't that be joyful for us? Jesus says, don't worry, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of the United States of America? That's the worst kingdom to inherit. And I love America. No, the kingdom of God is ours. Man, what's better than that? I just got to survive 60, 70, 80 years. Right? And who's going to help me do that? Jesus will help me do that. I'm not even doing it in my own strength or by myself. He's literally carrying me along the way. Jesus also prayed this for us as a means of spiritual growth and steadfastness. Verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't you wish Jesus, don't you sometimes ever think in life, you know what, Jesus, can you modify that prayer? Can you actually just take me out now and let me be with you? He says, do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is the God of the universe is saying, I'm going to keep you from the evil one. What did Jesus say to Peter? Remember, Jesus said to Peter, watch out, Peter. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. There it is. There was the the ace right down there, right? Full house, Jesus spread them out for Peter. You got nothing to worry about, Peter. Yeah, Peter, you need to be on guard. But guess what? I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Look at what else he says in verses 20 to 23. He says, I do not ask for these only. Here's where we come in. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they, all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oh, Jesus wants us to be unified as a body of believers. And that unity of purpose and mind, will prove to the world that Jesus Christ was sent by God. That's what he says. He says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. You think Jesus cares about unity? No wonder he hates the one who disrupts, the one who causes division. He says, I and them and you and me, that they may become 
perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Well, Jesus has prayed for you and for me that we would see his glory. Man, what are all the promises of God in Christ Jesus? Eh, maybe, not so sure. Yes and amen. Are you sure you're going to see the glory of Christ one day? What's your basis for saying that? What's your assurance to be able to say, I'm going to see the glory of Christ one day? Right? Is it it because you are firmly believing in the person and the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf because you have recognized that I have fallen short of the glory of God, that I in of my own self am a wicked person in need of saving, and the only person that can save me is Jesus Christ. If that's your basis, you'll see the glory of Christ. If you're saying, well, I'm a good person, well, I hope to. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of way out the good and the bad and the yang and the yang and whatever else uh, people will do. You will not see the, you will see the glory of Christ. But you will not live in the glory of Christ. You will live in the eternal flame prepared for the devil and his angels. Are you sure you will see the glory of Christ today? And if not, make sure right now Ask the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. Ask Him for entrance into His heaven. It's simple. It doesn't need some big fancy words. Just look at the thief on the cross. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. That's all it took. And I like, if you've ever seen that clip of Alistair Begg, he says, we've got to get back to the fundamentals of evangelism and understanding of how people get to heaven. And he, it's a great clip, and he says, when he, he's talking about the thief on the cross going to heaven, and Peter's going, well, who said you can come here? Whatever. And finally the thief goes, the man on the middle cross said I can come. And that's all it takes. The man on the middle cross said I could come. And that's all it takes, that simple, simple faith. <clears throat> so prayer is grounded in grace. It's an evidence of grace, and it's a means of grace. So when should you pray? When should I pray? Remember, Jesus said, when you pray. So there's an expectation that we are to pray. He's waiting for us to talk to him. (coughs) I... I get a better understanding. It's, it's you know all all analogies fall short, but you know our son David's in England, and every day at five o'clock I get on that WhatsApp and I hit that little video chat, and I I look forward to seeing my son when he's busy and he can't, and I get the call rejected. It's like ooh, right? It's like I know it's not like I don't want to talk to you. But Jesus is like, he's there, wait, wait, come on. I'm waiting for you to talk to me. 
I got something I want to show you. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. But you only get it if you talk to me. You only get it if you come. It's the only way to get it. And how often? What peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear, all because we do not take it to the Lord in prayer. So when you pray, when are we to pray? Well, Ephesians tells us, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, praying at all times and in the Spirit. So when are we to pray? At all times. What does all mean? All means all, right? I'll tell you something about God's Word. Definitions don't change. They're changing in America, right? We're changing the definition of words. This, this used to mean this. Now this means that or whatever. It's, we're not going to... God's word does not change in its definitions. All means all the times. And how? In the spirit. I think that's the key part to really praying to God is praying in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. When should you be praying? All the time. So should I be in a posture of prayer all the time? Never doing anything else but praying. No, that's what it means. It always means ready to pray. Quick to go to the Lord. Quick to go to the Lord. Whatever, you know, David writes, I look to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My only hope and my only help is. Now, I may be on my way to Wherever, uh, say you got to go to court because you, you messed up on Route 17 and you got to go to court. I'm going to go to court, do what I got to do, but I'm going to ask God to be with that judge or that prosecutor or whatever, right? I'm going to ask God for help. Wherever I'm going, I'm going to ask God. Ultimately, yeah, I did this, but you need to step in all the time. Be ready to pray, not just when there's problems. How about praying just by having a conversation with God? Hey, God, how are you doing? Who prays like that? People who know the Lord. God, how are you doing today? Of course, we know he's doing fine. He has no needs. He has nothing. We'll hear about all that tonight. But don't you think it delights God's heart that we would ask him, how are you, God? They may say, that's a stupid, simple question. That's the exact question a child would ask. And Jesus says, unless you have that kind of faith, you have no faith. Pray at all times. Writing to the church in Thessalonica, Paul says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For you. And I think those all go together. Rejoicing, praying, giving thanks. Those all go together. Jesus, writing, uh, not writing, but telling the disciples about a parable, about a persistent widow or a persistent person who got up in the middle of the night to ask his neighbor for bread, says this in Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Always pray and not lose heart. One of the ways to not lose heart is to continuously pray is to lay hold of God's willingness. How often when we pray, we act like, i got to pray in such a way, 
that I'm prying something out of God's hands, that I'm overcoming his reluctance. No, you're not. If you're his child, he's pouring out the... He tells us, see if I will not give you such a blessing that you cannot contain it. And yet we pray, like, oh God, if you would please... Oh God, please, I just so desperately need this. God, oh please, oh please, God, please, please, please. And God, if you do, I promise I will never... Don't lie to God. He knows. God, if you do this, I promise I'll... Bad mistake. Don't, don't go there. Because then you're just heaping more trouble on yourself. Just say, God, if you messed up, God, I really messed up. And you know all about it, God, because you see all things. I need your help. And God, will you help me even through the consequences of my actions? Or God... I'm looking, I'm looking here, God. I see where I am financially right now, Lord God. And I know how the bills come in, and I know what's coming down. Hey, God, would you now give me wisdom? Would you now give me peace for when that day comes? You ever pray ahead? Hey, God, this is coming. I need your help now so when I'm there, I can stand. I can trust and I can have joy. See, prayer, we pray according to how we view God. We pray according to how we view God. What I think about God determines the way in which I pray. I read an incredible quote, a convicting quote from Tim Keller. He writes this, The religious see God as useful. Gospel-believing Christians see God as beautiful. I love that. The religious see God as useful. Gospel-believing Christians see God as beautiful. Do I need to explain that? It's self-explanatory, isn't it? Hey, are you praying when trouble hits just to get out of something? Then all of a sudden you're seeing God, whether you're a religious person. You see God as useful. Or do I see God as beautiful? I see God as beautiful. What does the psalmist write? To what? To be in your temple and to what? To gaze upon your ugliness? No, to gaze upon your beauty. Do we believe that Christ is beautiful? That God is beautiful in every way? How do you view God? Prayer ultimately is based in the belief that God exists. That God exists. We have to believe that God exists. In other words, what's the point of praying? And uh, there's my spelling error. I thought I corrected it. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near, that is pray, come close to God, must believe that He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. So what is prayer? I'm going to go with Martin Luther's definition. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. And we'll throw in another one from the great Puritan Thomas Watson. Prayer delights God's ear. It melts his heart. So loved ones, pray. Pray without ceasing. Know where it's grounded in the grace of God 
Know that it's an evidence of grace. It's a means of grace. And it is something in which God says to lay hold of with everything in you. And watch God do amazing things. Let's become people of prayer. We'll continue in prayer two weeks from now. Father, thank you that you ask us to come to you. Thank you, Father, that you tell us. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord, many of us, so many of us, all of us, if we're honest, are weary and heavy laden. We have a burden of cares. Thank you that you have made it possible that we could bring it to you. That we can, Lord, just for lack, we can dump it at your feet. You are more than able to take care of it. You are more than willing to bear our burdens. And so, Lord, forgive us for not talking to you. Forgive us for not just coming to you because you're beautiful. Because you're glorious. Because you're worth talking to. Forgive us for not coming to you just to talk. You invite us to come and sit and talk. And so, Lord, help us to come to you. But help us to also listen for you. Help us to grow spiritually, to grow in our steadfastness. For the glory of Christ, we ask it. Amen and amen. Let's stand. We'll close in a song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you all.